Welcome back to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast with Jeff Lyle. Traditions enslave us, trends deceive us, but the truth of God's word never ceases to transform us. Join us now for another stretch of the soul as Jeff calls us to think hard on what we say we believe and to know more deeply why we believe it. Here's today's word for all the Mavericks and the Misfits. Hey, 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 welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. So, so glad that you have tuned in. Grateful for all of you that are regular listeners. If you're a first-time listener, I encourage you to subscribe to Mavericks and Misfits wherever you listen to podcasts. And just a reminder for any of you and all of you, you can always listen to archived ones off of uh, maverickmisfit.com if you want to listen on your uh, laptop or your computer or wherever, um, you can go to maverickmisfit.com and you can get every single one of the, I think, 91 episodes before this episode and um, uh, take advantage of some of those teachings. There's all sorts of stuff, especially near the beginning. You can find uh, direct teachings on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of cessationism versus the doctrine of continuationism. That sounds real boring, but basically that's me settling the score biblically between those that um, don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, those that do. And uh, there's just all sorts of stuff. I'm, I, I don't dip too much into cultural things that are going on. I mean, I know right now we've got crazy stuff going on in Russia and Ukraine and American politics and all that. There's so many people that are talking about that, that for, quite frankly, I very rarely feel led of the Holy Spirit to add my voice to the myriad of voices. I like to, I like to pour into the church. I like to talk to Christians about what it means to embrace the fullness of the kingdom in individual lives as local churches, missions, organizations. I really just, um, you know, I'm enthralled with the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm just not that drawn to the kingdom of man. And that doesn't mean I bury my head in the sand. It just means there's plenty of people, including Christian people, that are talking about all that out there. And God bless them. I want them to. That's just not my that's not my lane. And so if you listen to Mavericks and Misfits regularly, I try to get into the nitty gritty with people about, you know, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Like straight up, what does it mean to live out faith in Jesus Christ in the 21st century? What does it look like? What's what's fake? What's just misguided? What's what's the highest priorities in the kingdom? And ultimately, I have this kind of apostolic drive to bring people forward into the best that God has for them so they may, may know him at the deepest possible level for them. Um, but I also have this pastoral drive that says, hey, I, I actually know that there's more for all of us, and I would love an opportunity to speak into where you are that it might lead to where you're supposed to be. And so that kind of thread will be in pretty much every episode, including today's thread. Um, I, I am getting older. I'll be 52 in June. As a matter of fact, I'm getting so old that I've been telling people for almost a year that I'm 52, and my wife tells me the other day, you're 51. I'm like, no, I'm 52. She's like, you're 51. And I did the math, and I'm 51. So forgive me for unintentionally lying for the better part of a year and saying that I'm 52. Apparently I'm so busy. I don't know when my birthday is, but I will be 52 in June. And, um, one of the things that I'm learning is I don't speak the same language as my, um, almost 17 year old son and almost 22 year old daughter. So I'm at that age. I'm literally having to get a vocabulary update for my kids. And, um, so when, when Alicia used the, the phrase FOMO the other day, F O M O, she was talking about FOMO. She's like, yeah, you know, I guess he has FOMO. And I was like, what is FOMO? 
because the only word I know sounds like that is homo. And I, I'm thinking to myself, well, that's not a very proper term. So I'm thinking, is this something sexual? What, what is going on? And she says, no, FOMO is fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. And I was like, oh, cool. I've got something now that can make me possibly relevant for about five seconds to a younger audience. So, But what's interesting is that um, I've, been, I've been pondering a, a statement that Jesus made. Um, in the book of Luke in chapter number 19. And here's an area, guys, listen, where you and I should have FOMO. We should, like legitimately, typically my understanding of FOMO is it's just like, oh no, I don't want to miss what everybody else is getting in on. And, you know, it almost has a little bit of a ring of insecurity or, or frailty to it. But there's actually a kingdom component of FOMO that is, um, I think, like really important. At least it was in the statement that Jesus made in Luke 19. So let me set the table for you. So Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem. And he is well aware that the majority of the people to whom he came, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Meaning he's experiencing the highest levels of rejection as the Messiah and the Savior of Israel. And so he is looking over that city of David and he is, he's weeping. The Bible says in Luke 19 that Jesus was, it's it's in verse 41, he's weeping. I mean, Jesus, God, the son is looking over a city and he's busting out crying. We don't think of that that often, but the son of man was not exempt from human emotion. So I can say it this way. God cried over Jerusalem. And he, 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 he says in verses like 41, 42 and 43, he's basically, I'm summarizing. You can read it if you want to Luke 19, 41 through 43, but he's saying, if only had you had known what was being offered to you, if only you had known the things that would have led to your spiritual peace, if only you had said yes to me as Messiah, he says, but now these things are hidden from you. you. You could have seen them, but now you can't. The religious establishment, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the chief priests, they did not recognize their Messiah. And so they rejected him systematically under the umbrella of um, Pharisaical Judaism there in the first century. Jesus didn't fit their grid. They didn't want a Messiah that looked and sounded like Jesus. That wasn't what they were looking for. So they rejected him in spite of his stunning sermons filled with holy and divine wisdom. They rejected him in spite of his compassion and mercy and kindness and patience. They rejected him in spite of the healings, the resurrections, the um, exorcisms of demons showing himself all powerful over the realm of darkness. They rejected him. They said, we don't want you to rule over us. And so here he is looking at the city and weeping. And he said, if you had only known, if you had only known what was being offered to you at the time it was being offered to you, but now you won't be able to see anything. And he says in verse 43, he gives them, I mean, he's not talking to them. He's talking over them as a city, a representative population of, the, of Jerusalem. He says, the days are coming when your, your enemies are going to surround you 
and hem you in in this city. And they're going to tear down Jerusalem. You and your children are going to suffer. They're going to come in radically. And they're not going to leave one stone upon another. And here's why. This is the phrase that I've been thinking about. He says, all of this is going to happen. You, you missed out all of this. You missed out on every good thing that I was offering you. You said no. You systematically rejected me as Messiah. And now you're going to experience the fruits of rejecting your king. And basically he's referring to what did happen in AD 70 when Rome came in and toppled everything and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus is prophesying, hey, because you said no to me as your hope and your king, because you did not receive me, now you have no protection against your enemies. You've rejected me. I could have established my kingdom. And I, I was rejected by you. I didn't force my kingdom in. So now you're left unprotected. You have no king over you. And he says, and destruction is coming. And here's why. And this is the amazing part in Luke 19, 44. He says, it's all, quote, because you did not know the time of God's visitation. You did not know the time of God visiting you. You did not recognize what God was doing in your midst. You missed out. Now, when Alicia was telling me about FOMO, um, the fear of missing out, that's like low level. We're not talking about anything on the scale of this. We're talking about, oh man, I didn't go to that concert or I didn't go to that ball game or I didn't go to that party or I didn't go to that worship service. And, you know, I didn't go to that, that event. Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna go because I have FOMO fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out. That's, you know, that's fine. It's, it's less, it's more superficial than what I'm talking about. This is something friends that we need to get sobered on. Hear me on this Christian friend. You can miss what God's doing. Apologies ahead of time to all of you that tilt highly reformed and have such a high regard for the sovereignty of God that there is, if you're not careful, this undercurrent in reformed theology that says, oh, well, if God wants me to experience it, he will, he will cause it to happen because he's sovereign. And if I miss out on something, it's because God did not want me to experience it. And man, I tell you, when I hear that kind of stuff, I get a little twitchy. I'm like, oh yeah, God's sovereign. He's absolutely sovereign, but his sovereignty never, ever legitimizes our apathy or indifference. Biblically speaking in the kingdom, we are to be highly proactive. We are to be seeking after God with all of our heart. He says, those are the people that will find me. You will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That is anything but passive. And so this statement that Jesus makes over Jerusalem is, you're missing everything that was offered to you because you didn't recognize the timing of God visiting you. It's a massive implication. Um, there are massive implications to that statement. So I want you to flash forward from Jesus on the hillside 2,000 years ago looking at Jerusalem, and I want to just hit you square where you're living right now. What is God doing in the church? 
Um, the big C church is global and it would be impossible for us to, you know, dissect everything that God is doing in the big C church. And so we have to, we have to narrow the view. We have to bring in the circle of the sphere of what we're talking about a little closer to home. And so from my point today, this is what I'm asking you, what is God doing in your region? What's he doing in your region? Like I'm in the state of Georgia which is if you're out of not familiar with the United States, if you're listening in a different country, I am in the southeastern corner of the United States of America. And so it's commonly referred to as the Bible Belt because Christianity has been for um, centuries so woven into the culture of the South. Those days are kind of over, but it's still got the, the residual effect of being a, a highly Christianized area more so than other parts of the nation. So I, I can't speak to you exactly about what God's doing in Oregon on the northwest corner of the United States or Maine, the northeast corner, or you know Southern California in the southwest corner. Um, I, I can't explain and really speak into all of that because I'm not there. But I can say I can discern what God's doing in my region, what God's doing in my area, what God's doing in the immediate area surrounding me. What is God doing in my home church? What is God doing in the churches that are very close to my home church? What is God saying and what is God doing? Because that's the most important thing that we need to grasp. And we ought to have FOMO about potentially missing it. Because God moves in geographical areas and God moves in intentional um, directives like there are seasonal moves of God. I'm very concerned that some people think of God as passively sitting on a throne in heaven watching what happens. That is not the understanding that scripture gives us. God is orchestrating. And if you read the Bible and you see what God does in scripture, you can come to no other conclusion than God. Than other than God intentionally establishes seasons wherein he moves in powerful, precise ways on behalf of his people. He makes offers generationally. He raises up leaders and voices generationally. He sends prophets to warn generationally about specific generational sins. He, he, he establishes covenants with individuals. God makes sweeping moves during chronos measurements. That's time measurements. And so God is not passively sitting up in heaven. He wound up everything, you know, back in the day, millennia ago, and is now watching to see how it plays out. No, he's a highly interactive God. So the two most important things that Christians and churches can discern is what is God saying and what is God doing? And we don't find those things out by a passive approach. And so what do we do? We position ourselves to receive wisdom, enlightenment, and discernment about what he's saying and what he's doing. How do we do that? <clears throat> we pray. We fast. We stay in the written word of God. We listen to the prophetic voice in the church because not every time are we reading the right passage of scripture to discern what God is doing around us. And so, yes, we listen to legitimized prophetic voices that are in, they are in, in a consistency with the word of God. And so we, we don't put our finger to the wind. We don't drum up stuff. We don't just make up stuff. Listen, there's a lot of great things I could be doing right now in the kingdom. 
you know, I love Africa. Um, I, I've, I've only been on the continent of Africa one time and my heart was one. And quite frankly, I have a constant draw on me to be in Africa. Like there are moments where I thought if I could clone myself, I'd send the clone to Africa and he would live there for the rest of his days. That's a good thing to minister the gospel in Africa. But that's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Why? Because I'm hearing the Lord and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And my call right now is to hear the Lord and see what he's doing in the sphere of influence that he's given to me and to put my whole heart into it. And then there are moves that God establishes around us that are happening through other Christians or through other churches. And you have to raise your antenna and say, if that is what God is doing, and and listen, God knows how to make his significant moves appear significant. You know, it's not simply marketing. It's not simply, you know, shining a human spotlight on something cool in the kingdom. It's where you see the unusual happening. It's where you see the extra going on. This is where you you see the, the virtues and the values of biblical Christianity coming at a high level. It's where you see the fruit of the Spirit, not just the gifts of the Spirit. Hear me on this. The fruit of the Spirit characterizing Christians that are gathered in an area or a church or individual Christians. You see fruit being born from their ministry and you raise your awareness and you listen and you say, God, what are you saying? What am I to be hearing right now about what you're doing? Because I see what you're doing. What are What is your word to me on that? How do I respond? How do I take part in that? How do I help facilitate what you already clearly have put oil on? And most Christians, and guys, I'm just going to be a frank, most Christians and most churches just kind of shrug at this stuff. They're like, nah, man, we're having, we're having pretty decent Sunday meetings. You know, church is growing. We've got some new people. Got some cool ministries going on. Money's good. Got enough volunteers. Think about building a building. Um, we're reaching people. Hey, we gave X amount of dollars to foreign missions last year. We're good, and this is what God's doing. Well, God, listen, those are good things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But what is the rhema? What is God saying specifically right now? Because there are certain things in Christianity and our lives individually and church life and missions life and ministry life. There are certain things that should never stop. Like healthy churches should be growing. Like there should be fruit from ministry. We should be giving financially into the kingdom and all over the globe. We, we should have good teaching. We should be recruiting volunteers. That, that, but that's not... That's not like off the chart radar stuff. That's the foundational stuff of healthy Christians and and churches. What I'm asking is what is God doing that is not normal? In Jesus's day, when he lamented over Jerusalem and they were still doing the temple work they were still doing the hours of prayer, they were still doing the sacrifices. They were still observing the feasts and the festivals. I mean, that stuff was at high gear, but it wasn't enough. Because God was offering Jerusalem and the people of Israel something more. He was offering them the Messiah. The one to whom all of those systems, all of those prayers, all of those festivals, all of those sacrifices, they were to be pointing to the Messianic age. And so these people were going all through the shadows and the symbols and they missed the substance That's my concern for a lot of us today. We're going through the motions. We're just doing church. We're just doing Christianity. 
And we're not slowing down while we're working nine to five and doing the grind. And for some of you raising kids and others of you going to college and looking for your mate and trying to figure out what life's about and hanging with your peeps and all that stuff. And, and no, and I won't say nobody, clearly many are, but not enough people are saying, God, what's the thing you're doing right now? What's the thing where your glory is attached and manifesting? What's the thing that I can give myself to at a greater level? Lord, thank you for these foundational elements to my Christian life. Thank you for my church. Thank you for the ministry you've given me. Thank you for letting me sow financial seed into the works you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for a job. Thank you for health. Thank you for family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That, that Never get past that. We never graduate from gratitude. But beyond that, what is God doing? And so when Jesus said to them, he said, Ah. Oh, you missed God's visitation. You missed the move of God. When I hear that, it sobers me because it tells me, because listen, I don't want to flatter you. You're extra special to the Lord. You're beautiful. But you're not so special that if you don't care whether or not you miss a move of God, you're not so special that he's going to force it upon you. Like, Jesus taught us not to cast our pearls before swine. You don't take something, that principle means you don't take something valuable and put it before people that will treat it with contempt. If Jesus taught that, that means he practices that. That's a word right there for some of you. Jesus has highly valuable kingdom pearls that he is ready to release. But if we are indifferent to them or we treat them with contempt like a swine would, a pearl necklace, then Jesus won't offer those to us because he taught us not to offer our pearls to people that will treat it with contempt. How much more would, would we expect Jesus not to release something to people who are convinced they can live without it? And that phrase, you know, the hour, the timing of God's visitation, it indicates very clearly that there are moments where God visits in a very profound and, and special way that is beyond the norm. And so when we're, when we're seeing that, like right now, I'm just going to be honest with you, the church I pastor, the church at Winder in Bethlehem, Georgia, I've been here a little over a year, and we're seeing the beginnings of God visiting us. We're seeing extra we're seeing God do what God is choosing to do and we are experiencing it and it's not a casual thing and it's not because we have awesome techniques or awesome facilities. Quite honestly, we have a very average facility, very average. It's not because it's a metropolitan city, it's, it's the Winder Bethlehem area and, and that's not like on the chart where people visit when they come to Georgia and um, listen, we're not extra special people. I'm not the super slick, cool pastor. Like I'm 5'7", I'm 15 pounds overweight. I have a bald spot. I am not the marketing genius. Like you don't want me being the face of a marketing move for Christianity. And you probably wouldn't pick our church, but we're in the midst of a move. We're in the midst of the move. Where one out of every six or seven people attends a two-hour Tuesday night prayer meeting every week where God moves in our midst. We don't have any worship. We don't do music. We don't do lights. We don't really do anything other than invite people to come with one advertisement on social media. And yet we're not missing the hour of his visitation because he's showing up. Um, 
this podcast will be released. This episode you're listening to right now will be released, released about a week or so after I, I uh, record it. But on my one year anniversary at the church, a white dove, pure white dove, was there the morning I drove up on my one year anniversary at the church. And that dove has been there every day since. So we're talking a dove has landed and stayed and just is here constantly. He got in the building one day and on the day he got in the building, that prayer meeting that night, we had a prayer meeting that night. It blew up. Now it may sound a little kooky charismatic to some of you guys. That's okay. I'm willing to be misunderstood. I'm just saying, why is a dove hanging out on our property? And if you're new to your Bible, the dove is emblematic of the Holy Spirit. Why is that happening? Why are people coming from all over, um, really Metro Atlanta, people driving an hour and a half, two hours sometimes to get here for Sunday services and we don't have space anymore. I mean, why, why? And, and here's the thing. None of this is boasting. Listen, I'm just telling you the only reason it's happening is because we are hungry for a move of God and God is choosing to move. Uh, there's great revivals happening in the state of Kentucky right now. Why? I don't know if you're in Kentucky. You might want to figure it out. What is God doing in your region? North Georgia revival. I talk about it all the time. Listen, um, there's a sustained move of God that's unprecedented in our region that has been happening for over four years there. Why? And thank God that we're not sitting on the outside poking holes at it and, you know, you know, trying to shoot it down. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking if you live in North Georgia and you're hungry for a move of God, but you're ignoring what he's doing at Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville, Georgia, FOMO, you ought to have fear of missing out. You see, God's not obligated to spoon feed us. God feeds the hungry and the hungry come ready to eat. In ancient Jerusalem, Jesus literally is weeping. He's saying, if you had only said yes, if you had only been open, if you had only been positioned to receive something that was outside of what you thought it would be, if you had only been humble enough to be stretched into my messianic offer that looks different than what you thought it would because you did not know the scriptures. You see, ancient Israel wanted a powerhouse riding in on the biggest, most stout horse possible, put down the Roman Empire, raise up the flag of David and come into this place and declare the glory of God has returned to Jerusalem, down with the Roman Empire, down with the Gentiles, down with the opposition. That's what they were looking for in their Messiah. And Jesus came meek and lowly, riding not on a stout steed, but riding riding on a, a colt of a donkey. And he loved little children and he taught, turned the other cheek and he ministered gently and he literally opposed the religious establishment and refused to be a warlord like they wanted him to be. And so they said, yeah, you're not the kind of Messiah we want. We'll keep looking. And Jesus said, there isn't another one to look for. You just missed what God was doing as he visited you. So it's some intense stuff right there. So how do we position ourselves not to miss it? You get faithful and you stay faithful in the things that are most important. Um, listen, if you're walking around like some charismatic Holy Ghost junkie trying to get your next hit of something cool, grow up. You hear me? Grow up. I love you, but you need to hear this. Grow up. Get faithful. 
get in a local church that may not be super cool and be the person that cries out and hungers for a move of God. He's not going to ignore you. What will happen is you'll attract a couple of other people that'll join you in crying out for a move of God in that place. I know a little Baptist church not too far from where I'm sitting right now. And the pastor just a few years ago got hungry for a move of God, got sick of his um, denominational cage that he was in started crying out for a move of the Holy Spirit and God started to move in his own heart and it wrecked him. He started experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, started seeing three-dimensionally the truth of the word of God about the power of God, started repenting of denominational traditions that posed as doctrine from the Bible. And he started hit, getting hit by the power of God and he waited and waited and it almost killed him because many in his church couldn't receive it. And so he was fought, he was resisted. There were a couple of times where he felt like maybe he should step down. And I just told my brother, I said, no. I said, brother, you can't always outslug your opposition, but you can outlast them. If you'll outlast your opposition, God will remove them and a great work of God will be done there. And that's exactly what happened. And so they are small in number, but what's happening is his solitary hunger that started a few years ago is now connected with others that are hungry. And in that Baptist church, they are seeing healings. They're seeing deliverances from demons. Hallelujah. They're still holding true to the word of God. And I'm, I'm telling people, hey, you ought to go and be a part of that church. We've sent out a couple of people from our church to go over there because we see what God's doing in our region. And it can't just be in our church. It needs to be in that church and other churches too. You need to be that man or that woman that just says, God, I'm going to get faithful. I'm just going to stay and hunker down. I'm going to show up every time the doors are open. When there's a prayer meeting, I'm going to pray. When there's a Bible study, I'm going to study. When there's an opportunity to volunteer, if I can do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give my money. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my energy. And you get foundationally consistent and quit hopping around for where the coolest thing is. Look, go and drink from those wells occasionally, but you need a home base. Because if God's going to spread it, he needs to get people, you know, like filled with what he's doing in certain areas. You take that back to where you are and he starts filling people where you are. But you got to be consistent, man. Young people, you hear me on this. Gen Z, millennials, you hear me on this. Quit consuming Christianity. Quit making it a consumerism kind of mindset. You be the fountain through which God pours instead of being the bowl that's constantly begging to be poured into. Become the pipe through which God funnels what he's doing. And then when you do that, I'm telling you, visit the places. Like I'm at the North Georgia Revival every Sunday night unless we've got a worship night at our church. I just made up my mind. I said, that's where God's moving. Where else are people getting healed and delivered and saved? Every single week. Every single week. What other church is exporting what God's doing in their church and going to different places all across the United States with humble leaders that don't ask you, how much are you going to give me a love offering if I come to you? They don't ask how many people are in your church so I can make sure it's worth my time. Wherever they're invited, they go and God's replicating that work. He's visiting his church. He's visiting his church. That's what we need to hear. We're living in the last days and God is not going to be subtle. He's not going to be Sweet, little, quiet, traditionally packaged, unbiblical, non-biblical version of status quo God Christianity. That's not what he's doing. And if you're not careful, you'll miss out. So here's me calling you into a healthy, biblical fear of missing out. Don't 
miss the move of God. Get desperate. Stay desperate. Never quit pressing in. You may have to press in more than three days, more than two weeks, more than six months. Listen, you may have to press in for a year, but God will meet you at the level of your hunger. And if you're content to live at a low level with God, you will. You will. So will your church. And churches that aren't preaching the whole counsel of God and they don't hold to the authority of the word, get out of that church. Listen, either get out it, get out of it or start reforming it. You may have to stay there and reform it, but don't stay there passively. And if you're staying there passively while nothing has happened and the word of God is not honored, you're in the wrong church. But if you want to stay there and reform it, go after it hard. And if you're in a church where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not used or they're not even validated scripturally, maybe they're even opposed, you're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong church. It matters where you go to church. And so we need the authority of the word of God and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. And those two things constituted what the first century church was all about. Apostolic doctrine and the power of the Holy Spirit. And nothing's changed. So time is short. The clock is ticking. God is looking for the hungry. He's looking for those that aren't lukewarm, compromised, status quo, sitting around waiting for the sovereign God of heaven to make something happen. He's going to meet you at the level of your hunger. He will typically elevate you at the level of your sacrifice. You pour in, you will receive back. You're not pouring in, you're not sacrificing, you'll stay stuck right where you are. Trust me, I know. And so at this point, here's what I'm saying. Position yourself not to miss the move of God. Why did Jesus weep over ancient Jerusalem? He said it. He said, all of this could have been yours. But you did not recognize, Luke 19, 44, you did not recognize God's moment of visiting you. And friends, that's something we should fear missing out on. My time is gone. Thanks for tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. If you want to learn more about what we're doing, if you want access to more resources, go to transformingtruth.org. You can find all my social media links there. You can find videos of full-length sermons preached at the church at Winder. You can also find 30-minute segments called Truth Shots that are there on video. Subscribe to Mavericks and Misfits wherever you subscribe to podcasts. By the way, if you want to help me personally, if you want to help the ministry here, you can get a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go. In that book, I chronicle my journey from status quo Christianity into the fullness of the Holy Spirit, into reforming a church, into saying, it's everything I just talked about in this podcast, but I'll give you my personal journey in that book, fighting with demons, fighting with religion, fighting with addiction, uh, almost almost losing my wife. There's a whole lot of like intensity in that book, but there's also a massive amount of hope, and you can learn from that, from the story that God's given us. You can learn it. Get a copy of Figuring It Out As You Go. You can get it on Amazon if you want a signed copy. You can get it on um, transformingtruth.org or jefflyle.com. And listen, rate and review Mavericks and Misfits. Help us to reach more people. I don't understand all that technological stuff, but they tell me more rates and more reviews will help us reach more people. Also, email me, jeff at maverickmisfit.com, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. You can uh, leave some feedback. You can ask some questions. You You can suggest some Uh, topics for upcoming podcast episodes would love to hear from you but the clock has ticked a little too far so i'm done 35 minutes together god bless you you are loved and we will talk to you next time have you picked up a copy of jeff's book figuring it out as i go 
his life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.